Welcome to the Let's Wrestle Podcast uh, with Dan and Nico. My name is Nico. My partner over here to the side is Dan. He's not really on my side. He's um, across the way. He's he's away. He's away. I don't know how many miles it is that we're apart, but we're apart. We're not here. We're not together. We've never been. But About two miles. Not, not too much. much. Not too bad. <coughs> Whoa. What's going yeah. on there? Well, as you know, and um, as my work knows, I've got... I've. I've got COVID, and um, I've been down bad <laughs> since Saturday. Uh, we're <laughs> recording this on Monday. Um, this kind of back this up in terms of recording, but we're going to go ahead and um, push through this because um, we got a week, man. It was a good week in wrestling. Not not too bad. At least, in, um, honestly, the WWE side, um, there it's very promising. Like I'm, I'm really looking forward to see this second half of the year i mean we we just got through SummerSlam, and now it's we're technically on the road to wrestlemania we're you know on the road to the royal rumble and see who's gonna be like the top dog going into the rumble and then the end it's like this is a new era and vince mcmahon isn't there and it was it's very apparent on the road to the start of the road to wrestlemania exactly but uh, like Nico was saying, it has been an interesting week, and um, I'm excited to talk some wrestling, man. I mean, what else is there to do today? Um, I also have COVID. I don't feel as bad as Nico does, but I also, yeah, and I have <laughs> to also be alone in my room for uh, might be a couple days. Who knows as the days go by? But uh, yeah, man, I'm excited though to talk about some wrestling and like you mentioned WWE has been making some changes some major changes um yes, Triple H is running the uh head of creative now which um I'm personally excited about I was a little skeptical at the beginning of how this would go because I'm like well even though he's the head of creative you know look who's still in charge I mean it's still McMahon Netcon, so I didn't see much changing, but I'm starting to see little things here and there that have changed, and I feel like it's a Triple H thing, which we'll talk about a little more about what he's been changing here in just a little bit, but I think the best way to start off the show is how we ended SmackDown on Friday, which was with the return the long-awaited, or we didn't really know it was happening, but the return of Karrion Cross. Uh, what did you think of that, man, when you saw him? Oh, man, I was... Um, this is this is what kind of uh, let me know that this was Triple H's WWE. Um, maybe not him in particular. Like, it's, it's all him, but I feel like this is going to be a, a start to something great. This is what Karrion Cross was being built for in, in NXT, and you can totally tell this is what they wanted him to to be. The once he went to the main roster, just be a main event star. But the thing was, you know, once they go to the main roster, it's all up to Vince McMahon. And um, it also lets you know that that because for some time when everyone was getting released, everyone was kind of blaming Nick Khan, you know, with budget cuts and all this stuff. But now that Vince is gone and all these people are coming back, it's like, well. Just like everything else beforehand, it was Vince's call. So I'm sure, you know, it's just yeah. 
a lot of things are different now. Um, I'm excited though to see what what happens next, and it looks like Karrion Cross is gonna be on SmackDown, so that's gonna be freaking dope. That's a good point that you bring up about um, the budget cuts, and then now they're bringing people back. So like, it's it had to have been a Vince thing for sure. But um, yeah, man, I'm excited about Karrion Cross. He's gonna be working with Drew, it seems, or you know maybe there with Roman, or see where this goes, but. Um, I did like that they brought back Scarlet uh, yeah. with him, which is an element that he was missing on the main roster. Um, so this is, we're going to see like that NXT version of him that Triple H, uh, you know, was yes. able to bring out to everybody. Um, but it's just going to be to another level, I think, because it's not NXT and, you know, these are bigger arenas, bigger production team, things like that, right? But um, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. And as we are talking about Triple H making that change, uh, what about like other potential pushes or returns? Uh, did you have anything in mind of what you saw him doing uh, with like maybe like, a, like you know how you brought Io Shirai to the main roster? Yeah, no. Um... I mean, we saw it on on Monday. They had a, um, and this is <clears throat> this is a total Triple H type of move if you think about it. But then how NXT was was built, pretty much a wrestling show, but um, with um, perfect amount of uh, sports entertainment within it, um, I think. And um, we go on Monday night, and they have a little tournament for the United States title, looking like they're bringing some prestige to the United States title. I really love the the video package that they made for it, and they had two awesome triple threat matches and and you can see it man you can see the push kind of already happening there i mean bringing a storyline up and and making him prominent from from where he was at i mean look at look, Tommaso champa uh he was pretty much relegated to you know catering if you think about it he wasn't doing shit and and now we got him actually about to i think this monday he's gonna wrestle bobby lashley for the united states title i mean it's something it's coming up yeah, man, uh, I'm excited, especially for Champa. I wish they'd bring back his first name. Um, yeah. You know, Tabasco? but to Tabasco, Tabasco <laughs> Champa, uh, something like that. Um, <laughs> but these days, man, uh, I'm excited because uh, if you think about it, if he has all the guys or a lot of the guys that he had in NXT, you know, everything that was going so well, like why not? Why can't it succeed on the main roster? Like yeah. the pieces are there. It, yeah, it's gonna take a while for everything to kind of come together because these guys have been put into other storylines or things that just didn't make any sense, uh, like Champa or the way that they use Cross on the main roster. So it's gonna take some time for them to build that aura around some of these guys again. But I have every I have every confidence in the world that Triple H is going to be able to do something like that. Um, so I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see Raw uh, mm. tonight because um, we're Wait, recording as a Monday. Yeah, um, but hey, man, um, I'm going to watch it with an open mind, and I'm I'm just excited. I just hope we see some good wrestling. But um, speaking of Raw, though. Uh, the USA Network, there was a report that came out, uh, I believe it came out just yesterday, um, 
that the USA Network is wanting Raw to have an interim world champion uh, or just having a champion overall, like a world champion on the on the show. And this is mainly because of them putting both of the titles on Roman. Um, so what did you think of that? And do you think they actually are going to pull the trigger on that? Or I think that's dumb. Um, if that's true, I think it's dumb for the USA Network to be asking for a title on Raw. Because unless it was uh, part of some of their deals, because Brock Lesnar, for the longest time, he had the title. And he was a Raw champion. And he wasn't on Raw fucking ever. You know? It wasn't bad. I didn't, didn't right. hate it completely. But it was like, fuck. You didn't say nothing then. But, again, they had a new deal, so it could have been something that they thought that they talked about, but I don't know, man. I don't think that, um, I don't think that WWE should do anything that a network tells them to do, um, only because it's like, it takes away from what their vision is. And I really like Roman as champion, not gonna lie. He's done it for two years now, it's just, which is crazy and insane to think about, um, in the modern day. Um, WWE, um, but I mean, it hasn't been a bad reign. I, I can't think of any portion of this reign where it was like, okay, enough is enough. Like I'm, I'm still all for it, right? And I don't personally mind him not being there sometimes, and you know, because it's Roman Reigns, and if he's there every week, it it does also take away some of like what makes him special. Um, now he feels even more special because he doesn't come out come out every week sometimes. So when he does, it's like a big thing. Um, I don't personally see a problem with it, but I understand with Roman now kind of being like a part timer or sometimes being there. You know, yeah. You see where the issue comes, but hey, you have a lot of talent, and if you think and you say that all these guys are superstars to you. Why can't other people step up or put them in a position where you can fill the rest of the show out without thinking like, man, there's no champion on the show, you know, like. And that's why you have to bring prestige to the secondary titles, which wasn't happening. I mean, bring prestige to the United States title. It's on Raw. It's on the USA Network. Why not have that the main title for now until Roman comes around and, and you know, does his thing. Give it give it something to to actually make people want it. You have, they have star power. Like So we talk about sometimes that they haven't been able to build stars, but they do have stars. Like I know Bitch is going to be out for a while, or I don't know how long that's going to be. Uh, but you have Becky Lynch. You have Bianca. Um, you know, even have, you have AJ Styles on your fucking roster. And Bailey just came um, back. Bailey just came back. Riddle's coming into his own as a star. You, you still have Seth Rollins there. Um, the Street Profits are popular. Austin Theory is getting there as well to that level. Um, the star power is there. You have Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. I mean, there there are people there that that can that can hold it down while Roman is you know doing his thing. He he got this contract that he got, and I don't blame him for it. Um, keeps him in the level that he needs to be at because when he comes back, he has banger matches. It's not. Not like he comes back and has shit matches, you know? Exactly, and don't let this be the reason why you take the titles off Roman because, like you mentioned, his run's been so fucking great. And even though it's gone on for a while, it's not time right now because I still feel like 
Cody Rhodes is the guy to take it off of him. Yep. And if he's not around, then you keep it and you keep milking it because you're just building and building till that that final match where he finally drops the titles, which is gonna feel even bigger uh, yep. than what it would feel like if you did it next month or whatever. So and I I just heard a report too, um, just stating that the plans for The Rock coming in is still in the works. So. If that is the case, then Roman definitely is going to lose the title this year um, because there's no way that The Rock and Roman Reigns is going to have a title match. It just shouldn't. Honestly, I don't think it should. You think The Rock goes over? Like, do you think there's a chance of that or no? No, I don't think so. He shouldn't. I, wait, man. His last match. That's what we thought when, C- when it was Cena. I mean, I didn't think that The Rock should have gone over on Cena the first time, but he did. And I was in shambles. I mean, I love The Rock, but I was like, there's no way he can beat Cena. I was being worked back then, though. I was like, The Rock isn't here. He's not wrestling. He don't love wrestling no more. I didn't know who was going to, like, it's weird for me to say this, but I didn't know who was going to win that first Rock and Cena match, but everything was telling me that Cena was going to win, but... There was still like, oh, well, I mean, you never know. Like, this is his comeback match. Well, comeback singles match because he had a tag match before that. But, like, this is the match, you know. Why would Rock lose? Is he going to put over Cena? I don't know. Like, it was just, um, we really didn't know what was going to happen in that match. So, if we get Roman and Rock without the title, you give the people a better chance to feel like, you know, who knows what could happen here. But if it's for the title, you know Rock's not going to win that. Not like, now, at least. I mean, um, um, no, that one made more sense for him to win the title. Oh, my God. Well, I don't see Rock wrestling um, anymore after a match with Roman. Like, um, I don't think so either. You know, even though he could probably still go, he's just got so much going on that I feel like He's just not going to want to keep putting himself in that position, like, you know, to get physical uh, and potentially jeopardize other opportunities in his career. But yeah, uh, we'll see what happens uh, as we get closer to the road to WrestleMania. Um, But did you want or to bring up anything else that was on your mind uh, for WWE before we go over to the other side of town? Oh, um, nothing other than other than uh, Raquel Rodriguez is going to be a star. Um, I loved her in that gauntlet match on Friday night. Oh, um, yeah. it was it was great until she lost. Now, but but another thing, another person they might push again, um, Shayna Bla- Baszler. Yes, yes, and might make her a machine again. I mean, she was she was intense, man. She was intense. Um, so we'll see where that goes. I will bring her up a little bit later on. Uh, I will save the reason why. But um, yes, hold that thought. But alrighty, so we're moving on to the AEW side of wrestling, of the wrestling world, wrestling universe, if you will, or galaxy. wrestling galaxy. <laughs> um, we get to Dynamite. Of course, this week they had uh, their usual Rampage, and then they had Battle of the Belts 3. Uh, which had some good wrestling on there, but uh, as you mentioned before we went on the air here, is that it was mainly just a wrestling show. Uh, any quick thoughts on that Battle of the Belts uh, show that we got? 
Yeah, man. Um, I enjoyed the the Wardlow and Jay Lethal match. It was actually pretty pretty decent. Um, I'm excited to see where they go further. Jay Lethal is a perfect opponent opponent for Wardlow. Better than what the fuck he was doing after his MJF feud, which was fucking stupid. Um, but not a bad match. Um, the women's championship match, it was okay. I, I really didn't care too much. Um, at this point, I was like six, so I didn't really care to watch a lot of it. And then, um, but the uh, Claudio um, and Takashita uh, match was fucking Take amazing. She <sighs> yes, I was actually thinking of that. Before I said what I said, uh, but uh, <laughs> they they were ha- they had a really good match, man. They were back and forth. It was just it was perfect. Uh, Claudio can fucking go. So so can Takashita. Um, Loved the match. It was awesome. Um, perfect for a Ring of Honor Championship match, and I like that they're bringing the Ring of Honor title more. Of course, though, because Claudio's champion, um, it's kind of the more and the more you think about it, the more and more you see how Tony Khan didn't really care for for Gresham as champion because what did they do with him that's sad man it is it's a sad situation in my opinion with the whole gresham thing but yeah yeah, um some good wrestling claudio he's a beast we know that that goes without saying uh and take a shit he can go uh we've been saying that that he can go um so yeah pretty solid wrestling show uh, before we move on to some of the more important things that happened on this week's Dynamite, um, did you see, because you brought up the women's match, um, did you see the, the tag match they had on, I don't know if it was Dynamite or Rampage, but Tony Storm uh, hit, I don't know what that move's called, it's like the um, like the Samoan fucking... Oh yeah, the hip. Yeah, whatever. Uh, she hit the shit out of fucking Britt Baker on on one of those, uh, and the camera angle was like right there where she was laying, and boom, just her head just went all the way back. I was like, damn, the announcers were like, holy shit, you know? But yeah, dude, Tony Storm lays it in. Like, dude, if you see her hit that hip, like she lays it in, or like someone's selling it really good. I don't know. It's like one or the other. But um, another thing that that I actually didn't like that match um, was that at the end of the match when they're all there laying down, you know, all injured or whatever the fuck, like Britt Baker's barely on the ropes, like hanging on, she's all injured and stuff. And then um, they win the match. Britt Baker like completely stops selling and just gets up and like, yay, we won. I'm better now. I don't know, man. I don't like Britt Baker. For some reason, I feel like, I don't know, man. There's something about her. Something about her matches that makes me feel like she's making it to where she's shining more than her opponent. She's getting her shit in? Or like she's she, selling? She's getting her shit in and, like, underselling the other opponent stuff. Like, I don't know, man. I just don't like her matches. Well, I, don't, I, I, don't like any thoughts. I haven't had any of those thoughts about Britt Baker. Um, if anything, she probably hasn't been the same since being the champion. Um, and I think right now, right now, I feel like she needs the title. I feel like without the title, she doesn't mean as much. I'm not saying put the title back on her right now, but I feel like she's one of those that needs the title to, you know, be seen at a higher level here. But, uh, I think that's the reason why she's been the way she has been in my eyes, because she doesn't have the title. 
Like, uh, I don't know. That, that could be it. I'm not going to disagree. Um, that's how I felt about her. But, but yeah, man, that was a pretty physical uh, Tony Storm match. Um, one of my favorite things out of the show. But we're going back here. Speaking of Britt Baker, uh, Adam Cole uh, came oh, yeah. back uh, with the Undisputed Elite. And basically, you know, started saying that, you know, he traveled the world with uh, Kyle Riley, Bobby Fish, um, and that mm-hmm. he came to AEW because of the Young Bucks. Um, and then they just started talking about, um, he said that since he was hurt, or he's still not clear to, to wrestle, and since Kyle Riley is also hurt, um, and if they were, if the Young Bucks weren't going to pick uh, Bobby Fish, that they couldn't do the trios match or the trios tournament. And then they kind of like started pressing them. Uh, and then that's when O'Reilly and Fish attacked the Young Bucks, uh, which I was excited to see. I feel like we've known this was going to happen for some time. So I'm glad yeah. that it is happening now. But uh, I didn't enjoy too much of when Hangman Adam Page came out and, you know, helped him. And then they had a moment or helped them. And then they had a moment in the middle of the ring, kind of acknowledging that I guess everything was all good uh, going forward with them. But how did you feel about this uh, or where do you think this is going? Uh, I think it's going to culminate into the um, finals of the Trios Tag Team Tournament. Um, I can see this match going to All Out. Um, the the Undisputed going up against the Elite um, with Adam Page as their third. Um, I know that they were probably hoping that Kenny Omega could be back for that, but I'm not sure like how the storyline <clears throat> looks like it's going. It doesn't seem like Kenny Omega will be there for their Trios match you know um it'll be weird if they do bring him in and then kick um kick uh page out but uh we just gotta wait and see it's it's uh it's interesting makes me want to see how it's gonna go um the following week i think the young bucks are less annoying when they're baby faces but it's also weird because they're very sentimental um baby faces always in their feelings and shit i didn't Um, i sure like that this would happen, but that it'd be Kenny and not Hangman in this yeah. uh, situation. But I think they realized that uh, Kenny wasn't coming back right now. Um, I'm thinking Kenny comes back at all out after the ending of something. Um, you know, whatever the main event is, or I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I, I feel like it's coming, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not too excited to see this. Uh, I, I'm excited to see Adam Cole with O'Reilly and with uh, fucking Fish. And, man, I hope at some point they can get Roddy Strong over here. Um, and then they can add, like, Kenny to Young Bucks and Page and oh. have, like, a blood and guts. I kind of doubt that now, though. Roderick Strong, uh, since Triple H is now in charge. Oh, yeah, that's I hadn't thought of that. And did you know that Roddy Strong's wife is in AEW? Oh, is she? Who is she? Uh, Marina Shafir. Um, I don't know who that is. 
the one that um she recently had like a title match with um Mercedes Martinez and Shafir. Yeah, I don't know who that is. It sounds familiar. okay. I just can't remember right now, like the face. Like it, I, I Shafir sounds. Oh wait, I know who she is. Oh, she was the one they were saying that uh, somebody was being stiff in the ring. Yeah, they were saying that Thunder Rosa was was being stiff with her in the ring. And then Britt Baker was like liking some tweet or or I don't know, some bullshit on Twitter. But yeah, Marina Shafir (laughs) is Buddy Strong's um, wife. And honestly, I don't think Marina Shafir is that good in the ring. Um, That's just my personal opinion. And you'd think that having a husband like Roddy Strong that she'd, you know, well, she's learned a, a couple she's, things. She's an MMA fighter. She's not like a wrestler, so maybe he can teach her some stuff, but who knows? I would hope so. Uh, I would hope so, because she kind of has like a look. Um, but anyways, moving on. Um, there was a announcement by Taz at the announcer desk. Uh, basically talking about, well, they recapped what happened with Ricky Starks, Hook, and then the thing with uh, Will Hobbs turning on Ricky Starks. Um, he basically said that he talked to all three guys, made it clear that Team Taz was over. Um, so now Will Hobbs is on his own. He had a squash match on Dynamite. Um, so what did you think of that? We kind of were talking about it last week as far as where Team Taz would go from here. But now we have gotten the confirmation that it's over. Yeah, and it makes sense at this point. I mean, it was over already for a while. It was just Team Taz by just osmosis, just for the fact that they were Team Taz before they started going on that tag team um, run, really. Uh, Because Hook was out for a while. like He was doing doing his own thing. Then they lost uh, Brian Cage. So it was just really only um, Hobbs and Starks as Team Taz was just okay. Well, they were they were a good tag team. Um, I didn't hate them, but they, I felt like they just needed more like significant wins. But now with them being singles, it makes more sense, and it seems like it'll be a better uh, fit for everything. Um, excited to see where it goes. I was listening to. Um, I don't know if it was a drive-thru or... I think it was a drive-thru with Cornette. He does uh-huh. bring up a good point. Like, I loved what they did last week. Where, you know, he was cutting the promo. And then Hobbs just attacks him from behind. But he does bring up a good point in terms of... Now that Starks and Hobbs are going to be... You know, they're pretty much feuding against each other. Well, we'll see. They're feuding against each other, but they're going to end up eventually facing off each other and who's going to be the one to go over they both need wins you know what i mean they both need right. significant wins so they've kind it kind of seems like they booked themselves into a corner to where it's like well it's either one or the other that's going to go over and it's what's going to be interesting more um from this is how they're going to book them going forward after this feud because who's going to go over after that like what what's going to happen um into the future after that um i honestly think that they're going to go with Hobbs on this one. Yeah. Um, and I think that mainly because I feel like, I don't know if you've noticed it or it's just something I've been thinking about, but it seems like the people that were more associated with Cody Rhodes have not been given the greatest push. 
And Ricky Starks is one of those. Ricky Starks is one of um one of those uh people. Yeah. Ricky Starks is a Cody Rhodes guy. Yeah. Um I hope that's not the case cuz that's uh, a shame uh cuz Ricky Starks could be a fucking star. Um yeah. but I, I yeah. Like, I feel like this week in AEW has kind of shown you where they've degraded a little bit cuz I felt like before in the very beginning like the stories were like awesome to want to watch to see how it goes but then the I don't know I feel like they just kind of fall off at one point or another like let's talk about the the Jungle Boy and Christian Cage thing like we had a match with Christian Cage and Matt Hardy this week Jungle Boy did come out but I just feel like it's kind of stale now I don't know if you feel the same way yeah honestly it it was exciting up until like I, I was still excited when Jungle Boy came back and cut that promo, but now it's just um, I don't know. I feel like also Christian's been a little, um, you know, all the shit he was saying before was fucking great, all his lines. But I think over the last two weeks, it hasn't been all that great. It's just kind of like corny heel stuff um, that you would normally see. I don't know. I, I I have to agree with you on that. I haven't felt the same about it. Uh, not like from the beginning. Yeah. But does it mean that it's completely ruined and there's still a chance for them to uh, end it on a, on a high note? Um, we'll see what they do there. But as far as going back to the Will Hobbs thing, I, I also see him going over. And it's not for the reason that you brought up with Cody Rhodes. It's more of I feel like they could still make him, they'll make him look fucking strong, but Ricky Starks can still come out of that looking good, him putting yeah. up a fight. Um, and they can then start to build him from the bottom again as a baby face and eventually revisit, uh, I think, that feud um, if they um, really are about long term storytelling. Yeah, we'll see. It, um, I don't know how often they actually do that shit. <laughs> but they've only been around for three years, so... Yeah. Uh, so, moving on, we had a uh, a quick promo in the ring from Ethan Page. Some would say that it was a pipe bomb. I don't know, but he didn't say really anything that wasn't true. Uh, I'm just confused as far as where Dan Lambert is. Uh, is he not with Scorpio Sky? Did I miss something on YouTube? Or some Twitter exclusive? Like, what happened there? Dude, I don't even know. They just kind of did this, but I know that Ethan Page have been saying stuff, like, on Twitter about how they don't ever have him on TV and stuff. So, the pipe bomb, or, like, his promo afterwards was kind of, um, was kind of similar to that, but it's the pipe bomb that they, they, I feel like they've just been doing too many pipe bombs. Ever since MJF did his, like, everyone has to have a pipe bomb. And they're just, I don't know what they're trying to do with that stuff, man. Just, like, put them into a good storyline. Why do they have to have this, like, oh, management isn't doing what I want them to do? It's I think they're trying to be um, as edgy as possible. Like, I feel like if they, f- if they do shit like that, where they let the guy just say whatever he wants and lets out frustration, that they'll just come off as, like, being an edgy fucking Attitude Era kind of show or whatever, but... Um, it does, I'm starting to notice, um, cause you mentioned it last week and then I said something like that. I didn't feel like that was happening or I didn't see it as a, an issue, but now we get to dynamite and it was funny cause we were just talking about it. And then yep. 
he does something like this similar. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still don't have a major issue with it just because I like Ethan Page. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw him before he got into this kind of shape, but he was not looking like that. And he really, like, um, put himself in a position where he could be a, a, a big star, but he can cut a promo, he can talk, he's not terrible in the ring. Um, I, I honestly feel like he just hasn't been given the best opportunities. Uh-uh. Um, he hasn't. So, he's had some TNT title matches, I think he's had like two maybe, but, um, I mean... Uh, he's uh, never on TV, and, and half the time when they were wrestling, he was always outside, um, you know, with Scorpio Sky being number one. And how they treated Scorpio Sky, I mean, cool, he, he got the TNT championship, but then just to lose to Wardlow like he did, I mean, especially yeah. after a match that Wardlow had on Saturday, what, you know, he couldn't have a, like, Scorpio Sky couldn't have a match like that with Wardlow? Or even the match that Wardlow had with freaking Orange Cassidy. Like, Scorpio Sky couldn't have a match like that. I'm not saying anything. I know you, you hate um, Orange Cassidy. I thought it was it was well done. Um, but it's like, give them time to shine. They haven't done anything. They had that feud with Darby Allen that led to them losing. I started, in, I ended up calling them the jobbers of the year. Because that's all yeah. they did. They just jobbed. So, I don't know. Like I said, I feel like them too... They're like a Cody Rhodes project. It sucks because Scorpio Sky is like one of those homegrown people from the start that they got. Um, Ethan Page, not really, because he came from Impact. But but Sky was one of those original guys that started in AEW. So um, as, a, as a major TV promotion, because he was in other stuff. Um, I've seen him on TV a couple other times. Um, but like there are small promotions that that barely like the I don't remember where it is, but it's like the California wrestling. I saw him on TV once from there. Well, from the start, it was obvious that they were gonna yeah. gotta do something with him. He broke out in that um, tournament that they had at the beginning to crown the new champions. Um, yeah, and he had a breakout moment, and then had a match with Jericho, right, or something like that. And then yeah, we, um, we saw that one live. I think we think it was in Corpus, wasn't it? Uh, or was that Jungle Boy? Uh, or was that the week before boy. that? I'm not sure. I saw the sure. Jungle Boy one in, I believe, in person. I'm not sure. But yes, he did have a match with Jericho. So, like, and then from there, it was just, Nothing. eh. You he know? didn't do anything. He was, like, gone from TV for, like, the longest time. Didn't do anything. Yeah, so... That's a whole thing. We'll see what they end up doing uh, with Dan Lambert, American Top Team, Scorpius Guy, and all that. How that involves Ethan Page, we will have to find out. Um, something exciting or fun um, that was on the show to watch was the dumpster match. I think it's important to point it out since we've been a fan of the Acclaimed and the Ass Boys, what they've been doing. What did you think of this? I thought it was a fun match. It was, dude. It was um, entertaining. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, the final spot was pretty cool. Um, it looked scary as hell, though, when they flipped the freaking um, the dumpster. You know that where that's from, right? Yeah, yeah. It's from WWE. Billy Gunn did it. with. Um, it was uh, Billy Gunn and Road Dog. They did it against Mankind and 
um, Chainsaw Charlie, or uh, as as he was called in WWF at the time. Um, but uh, uh, what's his name? Oh shit, I Funk. can't remember his real name. Funk, thank you, Terry Funk. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember where it's from. But like when they, if you saw it when they flipped the freaking thing, when it went upside down, I could see their feet hanging out, and I was like, oh no, put them in, don't get injured. It just <laughs> seemed scary. <laughs> It almost I, seemed like they weren't going to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was cool because, like we mentioned, it was done in the WWF back then. Um, and since Billy Gunn was involved in that one, it, it, it makes sense, right? You know, this match and especially that spot at the end. Um, so I guess maybe that's the end of the acclaimed and the ass boys for now. Yeah, for sure. But um, I do like that the Acclaim got the win, and I feel like they deserve it. They're the best thing that's come out of Dark alongside the Ass Boys, to be honest. I but, have um, to agree. So I, I hope that they can they can go far. I think they're they're definitely worth the tag titles. Um, just off of their entertainment value, and just um, I feel like the crowd is real behind them. So. If anyone can get the titles eventually, it would be them. I mean, it's going to be a long ways, though, because there's a lot. Of the FTR still needs to win the titles back. So, eh, Oh, yeah. The, the, tag, the tag division in AEW is very, very strong. Well, they shouldn't have put it on uh, fucking Lee and Swerve um, out of the blue like that, I felt. Um, they're not terrible as champions, but I just, the acclaimed deserved the run at some point. I don't know, but yeah, it was a good surprise at the time. But I feel like it was, uh, it was just for the surprise factor. It wasn't for like the long term. Like they're they're gonna do this forever. I feel like they're gonna lose it at all out, and more than likely lose it in a fashion where Swerve turns on um, Keith Lee. I mean, that's still there. That's oh, still yeah, that's, an option. That that's gonna happen. I don't see them having a long reign uh but going back to the acclaim real quick although they're very entertaining probably the most entertaining thing on the show sometimes um have they really ever had a match where you went like okay that was probably their best wrestling match like i'm not saying they're terrible in the ring i feel like they haven't had that kind of match um like with an ftr that you know, doesn't yeah. go 10, almost 15 minutes. I'm talking like a 20-minute match uh, of, you know, fucking, yeah. yeah. The problem with that, too, is that Bones has been injured so many times where he's not wrestling, and Max Caster has been actually doing a lot of single stuff. I remember he was in the in the brass um, cock ring match. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they just they need more reps, but... But they're definitely a, a fan favorite, I think. And actually, um, random, speaking of tag teams, um, I kind of wish that they brought in, uh, not brought in, but gave them these gimmicks, the Brock Anderson and uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Um, that kind of gimmick that they had when they were at the Ric Flair uh, match. I kind of like, I like Brian Pillman more like that than I like what he's doing with the Varsity Blondes. I have to agree with you. I was watching. Uh, I actually watched their match from the show because um, I didn't watch many yeah. shit on that show. But um, I did watch this one, and I did enjoy it. 
um, a lot better than what fucking Pillman's been doing with Garrison. Mm. And I think Brock Anderson was with Lee Moriarty or some shit like that. But um, why not do this? I mean, it's new. I don't really think it'll go anywhere just because Pillman and, and Brock haven't really done anything at all. Yeah, but they have that. They have the lineage of being horsemen's son sons. True, true. Um, I, I, I'd be down to see it. I would be down to see it. Um, I don't think they will. It still trips me out that Brock Anderson looks so much like freaking Arn. Yes, dude. And then fucking uh, Pillman with the the mullet and shit. Like, it's yeah. great. It's great. Um, speaking of that, we're actually right before we get to what was the main attraction for that uh, show. We are going to be talking about that. I did want to point out that Madison Rain made her debut on Rampage, uh, which I was excited to see since they announced it on uh, Dynamite. Um, what do you think of this? Because I mean, she's a. They said she was a 17-year veteran. Um, I've seen some of her stuff in Impact, not just recently, uh, but, you know, back in the, uh, I don't know what, 2011, the 15 era, something like that, you know, like the older, the, when it was actually TNA, right? Yeah. Um, I've seen some of her stuff there. So what did you think of this? How does this help the division? And do you see her being a major player? Um, they're, they're putting her up as a major player for now. I don't think that she really should be a major player. Um, yeah, she's been, she, you know, 17 year career. Um, I just feel like, cause they have her uh, as a coach, like they brought her in as the head coach for the women's division. Um, so <laughs> you said head coach. Shut up. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> I think they're, they're bringing her in also to, uh, to wrestle for Jade Cargo's sake, give her some credible opponents. Uh, so she's going to be wrestling this coming Wednesday against Jade Cargo for the TN- TBS title. Um, what happened to Athena? Who? Athena. <laughs> exactly, uh, though. She got um, lost in the shuffle like a lot of these women do. Um, Did she even have a match for the TBS title? They just had that tag match, right? I, yeah, with um, Statlander or no that Statlander, was? Statlander wasn't even in it because um, Cargo's team lost the lost the member. I um I don't know, and this is what I'm thinking they're gonna do. Uh, they'll have this match with Madison Rain, which will feel like really nothing, uh, especially if they'll just go back to then having it with Athena. Like, are they saving it for All Out or? What are they thinking here? I don't, I still don't think they should take off the belt off Cargill right now. Um, I don't know, man. I really don't know unless we missed something on YouTube. Um, um maybe I don't know. Just the the that's my problem right now with AEW because I've noticed that a lot of their storylines kind of go and then they just stop. Um, that's what I. That's what I didn't like about CM Punk's storylines, in my opinion. Because they were almost a one and done type of deal. I think the MJF went two matches. I could be wrong. Uh, so, I believe so, yeah. But it yeah. went on for months. 
Yeah, did go on for months. The Eddie Kingston one, though, I felt like was way too short, and they could have done so much more with that one. And I know that the tune-up match with him and Darby, which is the tune-up match, they're both faces. But, like, I feel like a lot of their storylines are kind of like, they go, and then they kind of deflate, and then it's like they don't do anything with it. I don't know if CM Punk is the best example to use of that, but I do agree that they do that a lot. Uh, um, I just wouldn't bring up the CM Punk thing, but let's not open that can of worms because we know where that will lead. Um, but I will say that Madison Rain, she could be a major player, but I know that she won't, uh, mainly because she'll probably just get lost in the shuffle like a lot of this women's division does. Um, and she's also a, a veteran at this point. Like, you know, I don't know if they'll put a title on her since she's older now. Um, she can still go. I've seen her on Impact. She was teaming with... Um, uh, what's she used to be Emma in WWE? Um, oh, okay, can't remember yeah. her name right now. Um, I don't remember her new name, but yeah, I remember Emma. Emma's dope. But she had yes, a team, was. and then yeah, to that she would um, they were teaming against um, fucking the Iconics. Um, they had like a fucking rivalry on Impact, and then of course, Iconics are they still they stepped away, and I believe one of them is pregnant now. Um, but. Yes, uh, I don't know. Madison Rain could be a major player. She has, she can talk, so she has that potential to be in that spot. But she's just gonna get lost, man. Like Athena, like what we were talking about, like Statlander, like probably Tony yeah, also at some point. Sadly, but. Any final thoughts on the women's division that they got going on before we move on to some other uh, interesting things that happened this week? Uh, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm Gucci on the women's division. Alrighty, let's not piss ourselves off maybe more about what? that division. Um, so, any final overall thoughts on AEW as a whole uh, before we move on to the Nature Boy? Um, I hope that that AEW, um, you know, starts coming back to what they were um, after All Out. Because I don't feel like anything's going to change until All Out. Yeah, I I will have to agree. Um, All Out, I was noticing, is, is coming up, man. Isn't it uh, at the start of September? Yeah. So that's coming up, um, and I'm sure a lot of matches will be... I feel like with them, man... A lot of matches just start getting formed like very last second. Like it, yep. it feels like um, I when I was watching the the WCW Nitro binge watch on Peacock for only nine ninety nine ad free, um, but I noticed that as they got to the pay per views, there was like no matches really that were announced besides maybe like the main event, whatever Hogan was doing, um, or the Outsiders or whatever. And then you'd finally like get like a uh, all these match announcements that last Nitro before the pay per view, and then even when you would watch the show, the actual pay per view, um, a lot of those matches you didn't even know were gonna happen, or they were just kind of put together. Um, and I feel like AEW does that a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like in the past, maybe a year ago or two years ago. 
they weren't doing that. Um, no, you know what weren't. I mean? And I, uh, I, I hate to sound like a broken record. I feel like things really did change um, how they did things like towards the end of Cody Rhodes' run. Uh-huh. I feel like that's the re- this is the reason. What we're seeing right now is the reason why Cody Rhodes didn't really sign back up with, with AEW. Because he saw them going down this this weird path of storytelling mm-hmm. and it's not what he wanted it to be. I feel like this this change is just what the aftermath of that. Now I could just be overthinking it, but that's how I feel. I, I feel like um in the older pay per views, like let's say for example, like that first year or two of, of uh AEW, we more or less knew what the big match was gonna be. Yeah. Uh, um or the big matches because I don't know if it was because there was still kind of a lack of star power on some of the ends of this, uh, this roster. Um, but now, yes, they have a lot of stars or a lot of well-known people. Um, we don't know like the matches that are going to happen sometimes because they give us a lot of these big matches on free television. So, you know, even though you think, well, this could lead to all out or whatever, no, like, they'll just be like, oh, next week on Dynamite uh, as part of fucking Quake in the Lake or whatever. Um, you know, we're going to have this big mega match or whatever. So you don't know, man. And it, I think it's because they're using that style that where every week they have to fucking put on a super show or whatever. Um, and I feel like with WWE, we know what the matches are mostly going to be like or where they're headed because they're not going to give us those matches sometimes on free television. They'll just keep giving us the same match that we saw last week or two weeks ago. Um, and then they'll give us like kind of like a new match. I don't know. It's just, it's just different. Okay. It's just different the way they book the shows, but I feel like you've said this before, but yes, it is different. It's not, I don't think it's any good. Um, how they how they're booking the pay per views? Because what the last pay per view was? Did we even know what the main? Ev- okay, I think we knew what the main event was gonna be, like halfway, because it was gonna be Moxley and somebody else from New Japan <laughs> going. And but we already knew what that one was gonna be. We knew that big match, but we didn't know anything else. I think their big their the big one where they did, like just added freaking matches one after the other was. Uh, Double or nothing, I think. Right. Double or nothing, they added like four different matches onto the card, like at the last, like on the rampage before it. And man, that pay per view went on for like freaking ever. It was 12 hours long and was done with it halfway through. Dude, and I think even the. I felt like we got a short notice for Punk and Page too. Like that might have been announced three weeks or four, maybe four. Uh, before the actual show, when in the past we felt like what the match was gonna be six weeks out, you know, and then they built towards it. Um, well, four weeks isn't too bad, I don't think, but it's when it's like two weeks in and two weeks away, and then they're like, okay, let's do this. But they're building up to it. I just, I don't know. I, I feel what you mean. It's like a weird thing where they're. I, I guess they don't make it seem important. Is what what we're seeing. Like they the matches at the pay per view just don't seem all that important lately. I think yeah. the last important match that we've seen was the CM Punk one because even when Moxley was gonna face Tanahashi, I mean we knew who was gonna win that match. 
it wasn't. And then they screwed up the match by having that big ass bra at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's always a mess sometimes with AEW. But hey, I'm trying. I know I tried with this week to watch it with an open mind, and I will try to do that again this week. Uh, cause I just want to enjoy the show, man. You do, you do, you want to enjoy AEW because it was a, a breath of fresh air, but now it feels like it's just rinse and repeat with some of their storylines. I want them to succeed, like. Uh, competition is good for both sides. So, um, it sucks when you see some stuff sometimes where you're like, "There's no need for that," or, "Well, I mean, you didn't really have to do that." So, I don't know. Uh, we'll see where where they go. But so, moving on to some other wrestling outside of uh, you know big promotions outside of you know. Big Egos, uh, Promoters, Promoter of the Years, or whatever. Um, we had a independent show that was being promoted heavily due to the fact that it was Ric Flair's last match. Um, this was presented by, like, Crockett Promotions or something like that? No, it was uh, promoted by Conrad Thompson. And it was, it was meant to be, like, um, it's a throwback show two Crockett promotions, but Crockett didn't really do anything. It was all Conrad Thompson. Okay, yeah, okay. So that's that's what it was. Um it was a bit of a card. We won't go through all the matches, uh yeah. just because they're just whatever. Um before we talk about the main event, any uh, anything else you'd like to point out from the show? Up the until show. that point. Uh not too much. There, there were interesting matches and matches that you felt like you wanted to see. Um, some of the, like a lot of them were not that great, but it made you see other people that are not um, in um, a major promotion. Um, like the, what was his name? Jacob Fatu? That guy can yes. freaking go. The Briscoes. Always the Briscoes. great to see them. Oh, yeah, the Briscoes. Oh, um, the Von Erics, man. They were actually not too bad. They're, you could tell they're still a little green, but they, were, they weren't that bad. I enjoyed them. We saw Cross and Davy Boy Smith. Yes, I did not watch that one actually. I still haven't watched it. I need to watch it. I didn't think it was all that good. Um, <laughs> wasn't terrible. Um, the Motor City Machine Guns we saw, the Wolves, all that good stuff uh, that was leading up to the main event. The reason why anybody was even watching this. True. The man of the hour. Well, used to be the man. I don't know about now. Um, Ric Flair, uh, his last match, he was doing a tag match with, he was teaming up with his, uh, now son-in-law, I believe they just got married, uh, that being Andrade, and they so, were going up against Jay Lethal, who was actually helping, um, Ric Flair train for the match, and they then, put it storyline. true, true, um, and then Jeff Jarrett. Uh, was teaming with Lethal there, who is a former horseman, or some would say he's not a horseman. Um, Jeff Jarrett. So I was excited to see Jarrett because he looks fucking great. Um, he can still go in the ring. Um, And it was cool to see him come out, man, with that old TNA fucking 
song that I grew up watching more of him there because I was obviously not watching when he was doing his other OWWF stuff or WCW. Yeah. Um, but Jeff Jarrett, man, and what a fucking heel. I loved the entrance of him just fucking pissing everybody off. They were, he threw a drink at somebody or something, but um, I thought that was great. So, what yeah, did you man. think of Jared and you know that? Like I had been telling you, man, it was it was on their podcast and it was really enjoyable. It was very like weird how they were promoting the final match on the podcast. Um, there was uh, an episode or two where there was one episode where Jared was with a different co-host and he was kind of talking crap to Con- talking crap about Conrad. Then Conrad gets on the on the podcast after he attacks Ric Flair and they start going at it, like kind of like taking digs at each other. And um, the video package beforehand, the, the documentary before Ric Flair, because honestly, like like I told you, this Ric Flair wasn't going to do all that much. He's fucking old. But the story, the story behind it, how they told it, they sold it. I mean, again, wasn't a clinic of a match, but the story was great. Yeah, um, I thought that um, it was interesting to see, right? <laughs> uh, we've talked about this off the air um, as far as Ric Flair and whether or not he should be in the ring. Um, I personally don't think he had any business doing that. Obviously, some people were um, trying to be, you know, they were worried, right, about what he could do in the ring. Well, we know what he could do, and that's very little, right? Mm-hmm. We knew that was going to be a thing in the match, but I was more concerned of of something actually real happening to him, like, I don't know, him fucking just dropping dead in the middle of the ring. I, I don't want to see that, right? It'd be the saddest thing to see to see him go out like that. Um... And then, of course, you have people who were excited to see the Nature Boy one more time. And I've thought about it. It's been a week now since the match happened. And I will have to admit that, yes, there was a part of me that was interested interested to see the Nature Boy make that final walk to the ring. Uh, and what all, you know, everything that would go along with that. Uh, the music. The rope, um, the reaction. Um, I thought it was a cool moment uh, before he came out, where when all the lights were off and everybody was just wooing. I thought that was really cool. Um, the Undertaker was there; that was really cool to see. I think McFoley was there. Bret um, Hart. That was, you know, that was cool, right? It felt like something. It did feel like you were watching something special, but. I just didn't want to see Ric Flair actually wrestle. And also for as long as he did, that fucking match went on for like 40 minutes. Yep. So, yes, it's a tag match, so he can chill out for a while. But um, the ending was kind of weird. Um, yeah, he, cheated. he cheated to win. Okay. Um, man, I mean... I don't want to sound like a hater. It's just um, I didn't want to see it. 
but I will say that it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed myself. I, there was parts in there that I really enjoyed. Like I told you beforehand, um, I got scared when I saw it at first. I was like, what the fuck's happening? He was like faked a heart attack in the middle of the match. Yeah. And then I think it was Jeff Jarrett coming after him. It was outside of the ring. He was like faking a heart attack. And then he fucking pokes him in the eye. And I was like, ah, oh, some bitch, he got it. And the shit with Karen and Jeff, they're, they're super heels. Super heels. And there was a portion of it where Rick's daughter, um, not um, Charlotte, but his other daughter, who's actually married to Conrad Thompson. That's how Conrad Thompson um, got into the business. Um, I can't remember her name, but she was like grabbing at, at uh, Karen um, Jarrett or whatever her fucking name is. Right. Um, Kurt Angle's ex-wife. And uh, yeah, you forget about that, right? Um, I did not. I did not forget about that. <laughs> okay, uh, but <laughs> um, but yeah, like like she was like grabbing at her. She's like, leave him alone. Like it was just crazy, and then uh, it was it was uh, entertaining. That's what that for me. It was just entertaining. It was nice to see Flair, uh, Ric Flair, go out. Um, the ending was what I expect of a Ric Flair match. Um, you know, Conrad Thompson threw him the brass knuckles and. He lays out Jeff Jarrett for the one, two, three, which was good because, I mean, Jeff Jarrett was his main protagonist in this. He really went off on on, um, on Ric Flair. Even the promo that he had done backstage um, a little before the match, I think, um, where it was him, his dad, and um, and and Jerry the King Lawler. Um, yeah. All just crapping on Ric Flair, which was great. More heel stuff. Just talking about Jackie Farlow and all these different things, Ric Flair not being able to get over in Memphis and stuff. So it's cool shit. It's cool shit. And like I said, I got super hyped for the match because of everything that led up to it. So it, uh, for me, the match is more than just what we saw on that day, but also everything before it too, which is what I feel a storyline should be. Cause it's like, it's like the rock and Austin going at WrestleMania 19 There's 19. Yeah. 19. You know, the match was great, but it, but it culminated everything that happened between them beforehand. And I feel like that's what storytelling really should be. It, it shouldn't just be the match that's going to happen. It should be the match that's going to happen, plus everything else that happened before it. And that's why everyone enjoyed the CM Punk and MJF match, because it culminated in everything that happened, you know, that entire run, even all the way back to when MJF was a kid. Right. So that's great storytelling, and that's what kind of brings butts to seats, and that's what got everyone ready for Ric Flair. Because if they, if they did the Ric Flair final match thing, and they didn't do the documentary, and they didn't do the Jarrett thing on the, on the podcast and try to make it seem like, you know, make everyone believe that it's wrestling. Like, you know, it's just wrestling. Like, it's, just, it's, it's not real. We don't really hate each other. They try to make you feel like Jeff Jarrett hated Ric Flair, doesn't like him, thinks he's a piece of shit. And it makes you want to see, like, damn, I want to see Jeff Jarrett get his fucking ass kicked. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. That's it. That's all I got to say about that match. Even though I didn't agree with um, the match, I do agree with um, what you said about the storytelling. And it's interesting because I was just yesterday watching the, um, the Triple H interview with Logan Paul on his Impulsive podcast. And he talked about... The fact that the stories, like the storytelling is what people want to see. And 
because uh, I think they asked him like, well, what do you think is like the ma- the big difference between back then, like in the nineties, or like how do you continue to progress right in the industry? Um, and he brought up storytelling. He said that he remembered. Um, talking to Austin in the late nineties or the mid nineties, telling him like, man, like imagine or what if this uh gets bigger? Like, cause they were sitting in the um in the uh, Allstate Arena in Chicago, and it was like half full, right? And they're like, man, like what if it could get, you know, start getting picking up some fire? The what if the product starts to get hot? Like, do you think it'll be, like, back in the 80s, like, with Hogan or whatever? Because everybody now seems to talk about, like, the attitude there all the time when they think about good wrestling. But back then, in the 90s, I'm sure it was like, oh, well, remember the 80s? You know what I mean? Yeah. And now, we start to see ourselves talk about, like, oh, remember, like, the 2000s? Like, the Ruthless Aggression era or whatever? Um, so, I, mean, I feel I mean, it's half and half. I agree, and I don't. At the same time, but yes, continue. People get older, right? Uh, so people remember different things, different eras. So, um, I feel like we'll continue to do that. But he said that it has to be with good storytelling. He mentioned, and I felt like maybe it was a little shot at AEW, uh, or that style. But he said that, uh, sometimes you know, we see all these moves, you know, they're really not necessary. Um, you know, but it's about the story. If there's no story, all these moves, they don't mean anything. And he kept comparing wrestling to a movie. He's like, you ever go to a movie and you watch something that has all these cool effects? You know, all these, um, what do they call it, CGI or whatever? Yeah. Um, All these effects. But you don't really remember the, the movie because it was just not a good story. You know? And then you go watch a simple movie sometimes... Not too much going on, but you remember a great story. Um, and he kept comparing that to to wrestling. Like, what are the? Well, you just brought it up right now with MJF and CM Punk, and the story behind it. When you think about AEW and even WWE, when you think of the great rivalries, which one didn't have a great story? Like, oh, the Adam Page and and um, Adam Cole. That was horrible. <laughs> Sorry. Wait. What? You said which one didn't have a great story, and I'm telling you, the Adam Page and Adam Cole, the Hangman and Adam Adam Page and Adam Cole storyline was horrible. And I don't think it did any any good for either one of the guys. Um, it just kind of went and kept going. Like I don't know, it was, was dumb. It a match? Huh? Was it a great match, or just wasn't a great I, story? I don't even remember the match. Because the story wasn't there. Yes, what I'm saying. Okay, so coming at me all aggressive is what I'm saying. I, I just wasn't understanding at first what you were saying, but now I do. Um, but yeah, man, like this is sometimes what I talk about when I bring up like what I want to see in wrestling, and of course, when you tell a story, you're trying to make the audience feel. And you're trying to take it seriously. But when there's other bullshit sometimes going on in the ring, not to get into any particular people. Um, yes, you remember that he did some goofy shit. Like, oh, yeah, do you remember Orange Cassidy versus, uh, well, I just brought him up. 
Oh, well. Um, you remember Orange Cassidy versus Warlow? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember that he did a bunch of goofy shit, I'm sure. And um, He didn't do a lot of goofy stuff. What are you talking about? He does. His matches are goofy. No, they're not. I feel like you, you hang too much on the goofy stuff that you stop watching the match and stop seeing what he's actually doing. He didn't do any goofy shit. He did the hands in his pocket thing like once in the very beginning. I and enjoyed the whole time he was running away trying to attack him. You know, that was the story of the match because he was smaller, so he had to keep hitting him to the ring post. I enjoyed the dumpster match. Some of that stuff was kind of goofy, but you, I liked the story. I was invested in the story of yeah, the because, and the ass boys. Yeah, because that culminated into something. But the 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 thing with like the single one off matches or whatever, there has to be a story within the match. Then than just a match, like, just super kicks and high, high freaking moves. Just like, like the Sami Zayn versus, um, what's his name? The other guy who flies. Can't remember his uh, name. Um, Ricochet. What? Are you talking about Sami Zayn? Or who? Did I, I didn't say Sami Zayn, did I? I heard you say Sami Zayn. Oh, I meant Sami Guevara. I always say that. I think I said that one time before. Yeah, Sami Guevara. Sami Guevara versus, uh, Versus what's his fucking name? Um, the basketball player. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I can't even remember the basketball player. The Indian guy, uh, Griffin, <laughs> Blake Griffin. <coughs> what? Yeah, you know Blake Griffin. He's in there. Blake Griffin. Yeah, what wrestler looks like Blake Griffin? Tim Martin. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna all this shit out. Um, Dante Martin and Sammy <laughs> Guevara, they, them two, when they had their match a couple weeks ago, they were just flying off the fucking rope. There's nothing really to it. They're not working a body part or, or like someone's hurt here, someone's hurt there. They're gonna keep working on that. Like compare that match with the match that we just saw on Saturday between Claudio and Takasta. I'm I'm trying so hard not to say take a shit. Um, but that match between Claudio and, and Takashita, it's a one-off match, but there's elements in that match where you see that they're telling a story. There's a portion of the match when Claudio finally threw um, Takashita out of the ring, and he ends up hitting his lower back, or they say that he hits his lower back, you know? And then after that, you see Claudio working on his lower back. And the, the commentators even talking about how th- these different moves are, are going to help him working on his lower back. So, like, there's a story within that match. And if you look at the Claudio match compared to every other match that's in AEW, uh, one of the things that you didn't see in that match um, all too much, um, there wasn't a crap ton of tope suicidas. There wasn't, I don't think, any super kicks in that match. And when they went to the top rope, um, I don't even think they went to the top rope all that often either. Well, the thing is, like, I don't think you could compare... A one-off match like the Claudio one you brought up to something like, uh, ah, fuck. I'm, I'm comparing that one-off match against um, Orange Cassidy and Wardlow because that's what we were talking about at first. Because mm-hmm. their match, of course, Orange Cassidy is going to do some of his goofy stuff that he normally does. He's going to put his hands in his pocket. He's going to do all that stupid stuff. But once he was done doing that portion of it, um, I'm not sure if he did his little kick thing. He might have. But the whole match, 
he was practically running away from Wardlow or trying to get out of the ring whenever Wardlow did a good ma- good move on him so that he wouldn't get pinned. Like, there's a story within that match that they're telling, so which was actually is, pretty decent. Okay, so let's let's compare these two, right? They're both one-off matches, right? Okay. The, the Claudio match was a good story within the match, right? Like you said. Okay. A good story within the match. We're not talking about whatever happened before. We're not talking because, about a long storm. Ter- yeah, because there was nothing that happened before that match. They just had the yeah. match. So we're not bringing long-term storytelling into this, but it, within the match, yes, it was a toad well. Um, I don't think that of the Warlow match. That's my opinion. I don't think it was a good match within a uh, good story within the match. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess I just like um, those type of matches. That's why I ended up gravitating towards Darby Allen when he first started because a lot of his matches, it was him working like a body part or just doing whatever he needed to do because he was so much more smaller than his opponent, which was what Orange Cassidy was doing in that match, which I appreciate. Yeah, and if we're just talking about one-off matches, um, a lot of these matches, especially in AEW, because a lot of matches in AEW these days are feel like one-off, one-off matches. And as Half we've talked... Super kicks, Tope Tuesday does. But they're not good matches within... They're not good stories. I keep saying not good matches. They're not good yeah. stories within those matches. So, yep. um, yeah, man, it's an interesting topic, uh, which I'm sure we could talk all day about. But yep. uh, any final thoughts about wrestling as a whole? Anything you want to bring up before we get to our new and final segment of the uh, show? Week. Um, no, I don't. I think we talked about everything that was important to us. Uh, I don't. I can't think of anything else at this point. Alrighty, so we get to the uh, the segment of the week, which uh, I was uh, able to pick it this week. Um, the concept behind this one, I don't have a specific name, but the concept of it is that we would each pick three matches that we've uh, seen in the past uh, that we felt like. Should have had a different finish. Um, whether if you felt like there was no reason for it, or you feel like there was a missed opportunity for something else to happen going forward, you know, basically like uh, what could have been, um, why was it booked this way, all that good stuff. So you get the idea, I would yeah. hope, of this. So I'll go ahead and start it off uh, with my first uh, match. Now, as I'm looking at these three here in front of me, I'm trying to pick one that pissed me off the most last. Um, So I'll probably go with the least here, uh, which is going to have to be uh, Brock Lesnar versus John Cena at Extreme Rules 2012. Okay. Uh That was their first match. This is my first match. Um, This match... That was the first match he, that Brock Lesnar actually came back with, right? That is like, correct, sir. Okay. That is correct. So, as you know, um, Brock Lesnar came back the month before that, the night after WrestleMania 28, after John Cena first. fell uh, to The Rock, which would then begin, um, if you followed the story up until their rematch, it started a year for uh, Cena where... 
basically he was getting fucked over or just not winning and because he couldn't get over the fact that he had lost to the rock which would lead up to a redemption year um starting by winning the rumble the next year but we'll talk we won't talk about that too much um or you can say starting with beating brock at this one yeah so that's this is what confuses the fuck out of me because, uh, like, the next month, Cena did something with, like, John Laronitis, where he lost to him because the big show interfered. And then, eventually, he got involved with Heel Punk, who couldn't beat him either. He even fumbled the money in the bank that year, too. He, you know, lost the, the briefcase or whatever. Or he failed in his cash-in. But, um, so the fact that... It started off with beating Lesnar was confusing, especially when Lesnar came back with this fucking aura around him, this hype, and he was looking like a beast. I mean, you wanted to see that every week, what he was going to do next, who he was going to fuck up. Like, it was good. It was some good shit, at least in my opinion. Um, And... The fact that in this match, Brock Lesnar, similar to another match they had in the future, Brock Lesnar beat the fuck out of Cena, uh, sure. beat him up, um, and then Cena eventually catches him out of nowhere at the end with like uh, an AA or something like that, um, if I remember correctly, and then he beats Brock, which to me didn't make any sense. Uh, yes. You're a Cena fan. Well, because I'm a Cena fan. And that's because you're a Cena fan. Like, it bothered you still, and even though you're a Cena fan. But he won. Cena won. Yes, that's right. No, it bothered you still that Cena won. If I was a... Oh my god, dude. I'm just saying, you're you're mad that, that Brock Lesnar lost, right? Yes. Okay. Even though you're a Cena fan, like, you, you love Cena, even though, like, Cena won, but you're still upset because it made no sense. Yes, okay. Oh, so God I, damn, bro. I agree with you. Jesus Christ. Alright, so, getting back to my point here, Brock Lesnar looked like a beast in this match, and I think they even used, like, a chain, like, it was all kinds of bloody, but then, Cena gets the win, and I think Brock breaks like Triple H's uh, arm the next night. So Brock continues to look like a beast after this. Um, even though he ends up putting over fucking Triple H at WrestleMania, which that also to me didn't make sense at the time. But um, John Cena would win this match. And I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but I remember hearing after this happened or even years later that the reason why he won was that they changed the finish last second so that after the match, Cena could announce that they had captured Osama Bin Laden. Because after the match, he made that announcement um, to the people there in that arena, um, which was one of the first um, televised uh moments where they announced that like that especially at a sporting event i think it happened that same night too at a baseball game but supposedly they did that so that the babyface could announce it and who better than john cena but i don't know for sure how credible that is but i have heard that that might have been the reason because other than that 
it didn't make any sense to me at all. So, any thoughts on that one before we move on to yours? I wasn't really watching too much then. Um, I was in and out. I knew what was happening. I did watch when Brock Lesnar returned because um, I did. It's Brock Lesnar. It's Brock Lesnar. And I, I was um, paying attention to the Cena and Rock feud before that. So um, they retconned it eventually, um, which basically, yeah, I remember Paul Heyman coming out talking about how when Brock Lesnar returned the first time, which was during this time, he was still dealing with his disease that he had which made him retire from the UFC. And that's why he wasn't the beast that he became at that point in time. Right. So... so weird, but yeah, I can agree why it's a weird finish. And th- there's probably other matches probably that um, I didn't think of at this time of that could be uh, a better situation, but I don't know why this one just came to my mind randomly. Um, so I'll have to go with that one as my first one, but what did you decide on for your first pick? Well, I'm actually going to pick a match that recently happened, um, which is the John Moxley and, um, um, oh shit, I forgot his name right now. Um, shit, what's his name? NATO? No, not NATO. Um, the Japanese guy. Fuck, why don't I remember his name right now? I know, I can't remember his name. Uh, Tanahashi, fuck. Tanahashi, thank you. Yeah, so it was John Moxley and Tanahashi. Um, I felt like they had a really great match um, that night. Um, I don't remember what pay-per-view it was. Um, was it Full Gear? Um, I don't remember. But I felt like they had a really good match, but then it was ruined by the ending when everyone came in, started fighting, it was a big old brawl. It was like, there's no need for that. Like There was no need whatsoever. They could have gone off the air with them shaking hands, holding it up, like, yeah. This was great. Oh, it was Forbidden Door. What am I thinking? Um, Forbidden Door. But yeah, like everyone came out. Like I get it. They were in a storyline feud, but like it was not needed whatsoever. Like people came out to attack Moxley and Tanahashi, but Tanahashi was never going to come back to like get his comeuppance. You know, it's like why even include him in that? Just leave it alone. But that was mine. Uh, my first pick. That's a good pick. Um, damn. Okay. Um... I kind of agree with you on this one. Uh, I'll say that since I did see this recently as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, man. It is what it, it is. is. It is what it is. So, um, moving on, uh, my next pick. This one, um, there might be a debate for it, but it just randomly popped into my mind. Uh, but I'm talking about Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania 36. Now, I am a big Becky Lynch fan, but Shayna Baszler should have gone over in this match. Uh, this was at WrestleMania 36, aka the COVID WrestleMania. Um, and it was the, the first year, the inside the uh not the thunderdome it was just the performance center right right um so in this match um obviously Shayna Baszler had been been built to be a beast i thought up until that point she had just gotten done with her NXT run which she was uh a beast there too 
basically undefeated for a while, I think, until Rhea Ripley beat her, which is not a bad person to lose to. Um, so she's still credible. I thought she was going to win the Rumble that year. She ended up being the last one eliminated, I believe, to Charlotte, um, which, you know, I don't know. Also questionable. That also questionable since we're talking about questionable decisions. But um, nevertheless, the next month they kind of made up for it with her. We actually watched this at your place. Um, Shayna Baszler dominated in the elimination chamber, um, beating up. I think she beat everybody in that match, but oh yeah, we did. Everybody was kind of trash in that match, though, from what I remember. But still, she beat night, and you know has a date with Becky Lynch. And I felt like she should have choked Becky Lynch the fuck out. Uh, and I think she even had her in that position at the end of the WrestleMania match, but then she did something where like she used the ropes to to get off of her, and then she turned it into a pin. Uh, I'm not the best at describing these finishes, but um, nevertheless, Becky Lynch was able to pull one out on Shayna Baszler, and I just thought it was a missed opportunity because. Of course, she probably didn't know this at the time, but then she ended up being pregnant like a month or two after this. Um, so it could have been the perfect way uh, for her to be off television and eventually come back after you've built Shayna as a beast, as a champion for a year or whatever. Bring her back, beat Shayna, reclaim the title as a babyface. But of course, we would have never had the start of the Bianca. Uh, rivalry, so you could debate that maybe this turned out for the better, but it didn't turn out for the better for Shayna Baszler because she hasn't been the same since. That was more than likely a Vince McMahon move. Like honestly, like yeah. I don't think he would have wanted Shayna Baszler as their champion. Yeah, and I guess maybe they just wanted to build somebody since she still had some momentum coming off of NXT. So credible, at least you could just build a credible person for Becky to beat. Yep. So you could debate this one, but I remember feeling like, what the fuck? Like, what was all that about? Um, but it was a weird time in wrestling, so I won't put the full blame on them. Um, who knows? Who knows the reason why they really did that? But go ahead on your next pick, sir. I'm actually picking something from the same, um, same night. Okay. Um, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. I really feel that that Rhea Ripley should have continued. I mean, it was crazy that she was already women's champion. Um, but then just to, I think she had just won it like not that long before, and then she just ends up losing it to Charlotte Flair. And I like Charlotte Flair. Like she's real. I, I like she's one of my favorite wrestlers right now. But I feel like. Rhea Ripley should have had more time with the belt. It, it wasn't a. It was just not fair. I don't think. She uh, won it at the end of December, so she had it for about four months, which is not too long. And plus COVID. Plus COVID. Okay. Um, I don't know if you remember this funny story or not funny, but just a story. We were actually watching this match together on the way back from that Corpus AEW event. Oh yeah, I remember. 
and Rhea won the belt from Shayna um, that night. But yes, uh, that was that was the NXT NXT match. Yes, I'm talking about when she won the title from Shayna. Yeah, but, and then if you remember, she came out on Raw uh, to confront Charlotte. Like, hey, why don't you? challenge me or whatever and that was pretty interesting so yeah i felt like rio ripley also should have won that match dude i'm glad you brought that i hadn't even thought of that uh and it was on the same night that i was thinking about with fucking Shayna and becky so that's pretty crazy um i have to agree with you on that man i like rio ripley and i feel like she's gonna she's gonna make a comeback this year i i fucking hope so I fucking hope so. Um, so we get to my final pick here, and man, I mean, this one does not make any sense to me. And I was actually thinking about this because I was looking at, I was looking through Facebook like some random videos, and I don't know how some of these videos just come out on my thing, but like random segments sometimes of random years come out. And it was one from 2011. And it was um, everything with Cena and Punk. And then Triple H was like the CEO at the time, like on screen. Um, they got Kevin Nash involved. Alberto the Real was the WWE champion at some point that year with the money in the bank. Like, um, I'm talking about CM Punk versus Triple H. At Night of Champions 2011. This match. Yep. Um, made no sense at all. Uh, especially not having. Um, CM Punk go over in this match. Because. He had just had the Money in the Bank match. Where he beat Cena. Then they do the title for title match. Um, to determine the real champion. At SummerSlam. After they crown Cena the, the champion. And then the ending of that match is Punk beats Cena again in a big-time match, but then Kevin Nash comes out of nowhere uh, and fucking clotheslines him. And then Alberto the Real comes out, cashes in the Money in the Bank, which he tried to do the month before at Money in the Bank, but he didn't succeed. Beats him for the title. Then it involves Triple H because CM Punk says that he told Kevin Nash to do it. Then basically, it leads to Triple H saying, No, he had nothing to do with it. Then Kevin Nash, I think, exposes him, says that he did tell him to do it. And then it leads to a match at Night of Champions. And I mean, the promos and stuff like that that they had with each other leading up to the match were good and it felt real. Um, because you, they actually have some kind of beef or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the match happens. Here you have a guy, Triple H, who's not even an active wrestler anymore on the roster. He's just an on-screen uh, authority figure. Um, and he's coming back for a match with CM Punk, the hottest guy in the company for the last couple months, and basically pins him. One, two, three. Um, I believe there was some kind of interference with The Miz and R-Truth when they were doing their anti-WWE thing. Um, 
but still, I mean, it just didn't make any sense. Uh, and I felt like it killed some of Punk's momentum. They shouldn't have taken the title off of him to give it to Dereal. That's another questionable thing. And and then, like, the Triple H thing doesn't really lead anywhere because at the end of the year, they have he has a match with Kevin Nash to retire Kevin Nash, something like that, which who could barely even walk, much less wrestle. Um, and then CM Punk eventually wins the title back at the end of the year, but not after, you know, he loses some momentum um so it still kind of turned out to be a great run for him as a champion but that finish though didn't make any sense to me and it was like this was the first one that i actually put down on my notes uh, after i saw those promos i was like i have to put this one like this one just doesn't sit right with me especially since i'm a punk fan but it, it still doesn't make any sense whether if you're a punk fan or not he no, was yeah the hottest guy in the company and he lost to triple H and it just feels like one of those triple H things, you know, but especially with yeah. punk, but that's, True. those are my three picks. Alrighty. That's a good pick. I, I agree with you on that one. Didn't make no sense, but, um, I think my final pick, it's like a toss up with the same person. It's like, which one was worse? I'm going to pick the first one, though, because it was like the start of everything just going downhill. But Seth Rollins versus The Fiend in Hell in a Cell. Oh, my God. Why did I think of that? That was the worst finish ever. The stupidest finish ever. And they fucked up. They fucked up so bad. I don't know why they're putting The Fiend versus Rollins. They should have put The Fiend somewhere else. I don't know. What they could have done to fix that bullshit. Or maybe just letting the Fiend win. Like, who gives a shit? Like, maybe save Seth Rollins something, too. Because I feel like if he had just lost clean, like, if it was just a clean finish, they, he just lost to the Fiend, just like everybody else does, it wouldn't have been as bad. Just give him a little bit more offense than most people do with the Fiend at that time. Because, like, no one pretty much got offense with the Fiend. But if you do it to where, like, because the fiend was always kicking out like at one with everybody, basically like no selling everybody. But if you make it competitive and make it to the point where Seth Rollins looks like he might actually win just regularly, cleanly, and then the fiend just coming up and winning, like that would have been fine. It still would have helped Rollins stay looking strong, and the fiend creating this aura around him that he was already creating. Right. So they tried to fix it with the freaking match in Saudi Arabia, but at that point it was already like dead in the water and the fee everything after that with the fiend was just so weird and and i don't know lackluster because and then when he actually wins the title he ends up losing it to goldberg within the first two minutes so it makes everyone else look stupid they they just did not do the fiend right at all and then after the fiend loses it to goldberg he goes on this program with Randy Orton and has a match at WrestleMania that's like two seconds long also. Dude, that... I can't believe I didn't think of that because that match is... I thought The Fiend should have won and it sucks that... Um, that this gimmick died before it could even start. Yeah. And uh, that it ruined Seth Rollins' um, run right there. Yeah, it did, and for a while he was lost, like, of what he really was. Um, 
and now he's finally, I feel like, coming into his own again. But, um, of course, his matches have always been there. But I'm talking about his on-screen persona and stuff like that. But, yeah, man, that fucking match. God. That was the moment. That was the moment to pull the trigger and keep the Fiend undefeated and as strong as possible for the longest time for, for a good run. And I feel like everyone wanted it. Everyone wanted the Fiend to win that match. And they just, I don't know what they were thinking. Oh, I'm just going to throw everything on top of him. And then the ref is going to call for the bell um, because the Fiend can't continue, which he ended up getting up out of that shit and started attacking Seth Rollins still. So it was like, what was the point? Dude, and he hit like... 15 to like 20 curb stomps on the fiend which i thought at the time kind of buried the move even though the fiend is supposed to be like this super powerful character where he's gonna kick out or keep getting up like he was just really not selling it like he would just go down and then get right back up and to me it just kind of buried the move which one of my favorite moves uh of all time the curb stomp supposed to be this devastating fucking move um yeah but you can fix you can fix that by just when the fiend's facing everybody else he does that to everybody or just eventually it even happens forgetting what just or just by forgetting that it even happens i mean because yeah in the future the fiend could have matches with other people where he's not selling a lot of the shit they're doing but I mean, his finishing move, though, like, I get other other moves, but, like, his signature move wasn't good enough. Like, I understand maybe four or five at the most, but he fucking did double-digit curb stomps in that shit, man, and he was still yeah. getting right back up. Like, it just makes it look phony, in my opinion, but... Yeah, well, I mean, it was, um, the gimmick was weird and phony anyways, but... It was enjoyable and entertaining. And <laughs> yeah. Like you were that like everyone was down with it. And um Yeah. I, I don't know. That one really that one really pissed me off because I really like the theme. Well, um some great picks uh that we just got here. Uh as you know, next week Nico will be picking uh his his segment. Uh, we'll see what he does or what he comes up with. But um, any final thoughts before we close out this uh, this COVID edition of Let's <laughs> Wrestle? Um, nah, man. But um, looking forward to to Raw this week. See what's going on. As I I am also, and uh, not like there's much to do anyways. So might as well try to enjoy some Monday Night Raw. Um, but don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Of course, our link is always in the bio. Uh, but if you don't want to check that and you just want to go straight to Twitter, it's at Let's Wrestle Pod, and that's L E T S R A S L E P O D. Um, but that's gonna do it for this week, man. Um, we know this one came out a little later than usual, but it's also been a couple rough days. Um, but we're here. We made it happen. So 
Alrighty, so that's gonna do it for us at Let's Wrestle with Dan and Nico. Um, and I am signing off for you, Nico. Yep, laters. <laughs>